my name is Becky, I'm a member of the church here and it is my great privilege this morning to bring to you the next in our series on hope. We've had hope, there is a saviour. We've had hope, God has a plan. We've had hope, God can use me and now we come to hope, God hears. And this morning we're going to be looking at the life of a guy called Elijah. He was a prophet in the Old Testament and he was a man who walked with God, who talked with God and who listened to God. Those are the three sections of my talk, walking, talking and listening. And we're going to see that walking so closely with God enabled Elijah to step out of his comfort zone and bring a nation back to the living God. And we're going to see that actually that's what God wants to do with us too as we walk with him and partner with him. Now, before we begin reading the story, let's just get a bit of context. Elijah is bursting in upon Israel at a time when they are being ruled by a particularly evil king, a guy called Ahab. The Bible actually says that he did more evil than any of those before him. Israel, God's chosen beloved people, have given themselves over to worshipping Baal. It's not the first time they've given themselves to worshipping other gods. They are sadly terribly consistent in this. But God is even more consistent in rescuing them and loving them and forgiving them just as he is with us. Let's read where Elijah bursts in. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook and I have ordered ravens to feed you there. So Elijah sits by this brook until it dries up. Then God tells him to go and live with a widow and miraculously provides for them. And then after three and a half years, Ahab, without rain, Ahab is suitably desperate. And God tells Elijah to go and say this to him in 1 Kings 18 verse 19. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Jezebel is Ahab's wife. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of God's prophets left. He wasn't actually, but more on that later. But Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. So the prophets of Baal prayed to their God all day and don't get anywhere. Then Elijah, who is so confident in the God he walks closely with, pours water over his altar three times before he calls down fire from heaven. Verse 39 says, when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Wow. What a story. I love Elijah's tenacity, his confidence. But you don't just burst in like that upon an evil king, threaten him with heavenly destruction and call down fire from heaven without first walking with God. Have you ever noticed how much God loves to walk with his people? It's his magnificent obsession. We only get three chapters into the Bible before he's at it. 
Genesis 3 verse 8 says, Then the man and his wife, that's Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God as he walked in the garden in the cool of the day. Actually, this is one of the saddest walks of all because God discovers that Adam and Eve have done the one thing he told them not to do. And their sin means they're separated from God. They can't walk with him anymore. As we move through the Old Testament, we see that the greatest accolade a person can have is for it to be said of them that they walked with God. People like Isaac and Noah and David. And then it gets even better in the New Testament. God actually comes down and walks physically among us in the person of Jesus. You could summarise Jesus' ministry, couldn't you, by saying that he walked about the place bringing hope and freedom and life and healing. And he gathered 12 friends to do the same. And then we come to the most wonderful, life-changing walk of all. We kill Jesus. We place him in a tomb with a massive stone in front of it. Does that stop Jesus walking? No, it doesn't. He walks right out of that grave. And that walk puts right everything that went wrong in that first walk. Now we can all know God intimately. Now anyone can walk with the God who loves them. How amazing is that? Who are you walking with? I believe it's the most important question we can ever ask ourselves. I don't think the answer is complicated. I think there are only two possible scenarios. Either you're walking with Jesus, the Bible says, or you're walking alone. When I was 18, I took a gap year before I went to university and I had a little job up in London and every night I would come home on the bus and I would have to walk across a park, a piece of desolate parkland in the dark to get to my house. And every night I'd pray, God, will you protect me as I walk across here? And one night I got into a bit of difficulty with a stranger. I managed to escape from him and I ran home to my family. And when I plucked up the courage to tell my parents about it, I said to them, I don't think I can be brave enough to walk across there on my own again. And as you can imagine, they said to me too, right, you're not walking across there on your own again. And so we devised this cunning plan in the days before mobile phones. I would get off the bus. There was a call box opposite. I would ring three rings on my house phone. And one of my younger brothers would be dispatched upon a bicycle to come and walk me safely across the park. And one evening, my younger brother, Matthew, who had only been about 14 at the time, said to me, Becky, what good am I doing here? I'm just a kid. I can't help you if something happens. And I said, no, 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 you don't understand. Just your presence with me changes everything. Because you're here, I don't feel scared. And because you're here, nobody's going to try anything on. Who we're walking with changes everything, doesn't it? Walking with Jesus not only changes how we feel, but it changes our reality too. The Bible says whoever believes in Jesus, whoever walks with him, will have eternal life. How amazing is that? James 5 verse 17 says that Elijah was a man just like us. He made mistakes, he got very grumpy and tired, as we'll see in a bit, but he walked in friendship with God. Now, I'm just a very ordinary person. I'm a stay-at-home mum. I love being a stay-at-home mum. But as I hang my washing on the line, I chat with God. As I load my dishwasher for the umpteenth time that day, I sing worship songs. When I'm worried about something, I can bring that to God, knowing that he hears and he'll help me. And when I glimpse my children playing nicely, I can thank him. I'm walking with Jesus. I love walking with Jesus. Who are you walking with? Because Elijah walked with God, the whole nation of Israel was saved. We are called to be a people who walk with God because God loves to walk with us, because it does us good and because God wants to see the nations brought back to him. 
So we've seen a glimpse of Elijah walking with God, but Elijah was clearly someone who talked with God too. Only natural if you're walking along with them, right? After Elijah speaks with King Ahab, you'll notice that God tells him to go and sit by a brook. Now, we think we've had it bad in lockdown in our comfortable houses with our cupboards full of food and our TV full of entertainment. But Elijah sat by that brook being fed by a raven for goodness knows how long. The Bible doesn't actually say, but long enough for the brook to dry up at any rate. Doesn't sound like my idea of fun. And Elijah had a choice, didn't he? He could have spent his lockdown feeling sorry for himself, or he could have spent it talking to God, praying and seeking God's face. And I think we can tell from Mount Carmel what he chose. How have you spent your lockdown? Who are you talking to? I think Elijah might have prayed three kinds of prayers by that brook. The conversational kind of prayers. God, oh, it's a lovely day today. Please let the ravens bring me something nice for dinner. Medium kind of prayers, God, I've said to Ahab, it's not going to rain. Please don't let it rain. And then those massive prayers, God, will you bring Israel back to you? Will you save a nation? Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm quite good at those conversational kind of prayers. Even the medium, oh God, we need a new car or my kids having trouble at school, God. But those on my knees crying out for a nation kind of prayers, I don't think I'm so good at those. The 19th century theologian P.T. Forsyth says this, Lose the habit of wrestling and the hope of prevailing with God and make it mere walking with God in friendly talk. And precious though that is, yet you tend to lose the reality of prayer at last. In principle, you make it mere conversation instead of the soul's great action. One of the main reasons as Christians I believe that we find it so hard to pray is that we live in such a comfortable culture, in such a comfortable place, in such a comfortable time in history. You could literally describe Winchester in that one word, couldn't you? And because we're so comfortable, we feel like we don't need God on a day-to-day basis. When we step out of our comfort zone, as Elijah did over and over again, then we really need God. Prayer becomes a necessity. As Charles Spurgeon said, we pray best when we are fallen on our faces in painful helplessness. I think we've seen a glimpse of that in our own lives and in our nation recently. Last summer, my eldest son, Tom, who was 13 at the time, persuaded me to take him hiking and wild camping on Dartmoor for the weekend. And as we arrived on the moors that weekend with these great big heavy rucksacks on our back, I suddenly realised I've got nothing to lean on here except Jesus. And over the course of the weekend, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. Tom kept having this really painful ankle. Every time I prayed for it, the pain would go. It kept coming back, but it kept going. And then on the second day, we started to run out of water. Now, I thought I'd been really clever. I'd packed not only water purifying tablets, but this terrifying thing called a life straw, where you can literally slurp up a muddy puddle and it'll be safe to drink. But what I hadn't accounted for was the fact that we might not come across any water at all, and we hadn't. And so we prayed, God, will you find us some water? And a little bit later, we came across an ice cream van selling bottled water. I was so pleased not to have to use that life straw. 
And then later that day in the evening, uh, we'd come astray from the path and we were wading through this knee-high heather as far as the eye could see. And we really needed to pitch a tent and eat something before it got dark, but there was just nowhere. It was all this knee-high heather. And so we prayed, God, will you find us somewhere to camp? And amazingly, just a few minutes later, this most perfect spot opened up, this lovely soft flat grass against a dry stone wall for protection and this most glorious view of Dartmoor in front of us how you see the goodness of God when you've nothing else to lean on. If we'd been at home that weekend, there's no way we would have prayed for water or somewhere to sleep. Outside of my comfort zone, I've got no one to lean on except Jesus. It's the same whenever I've been doing healing on the streets or when I've been in labour. Now, do I think God is calling us to all go hiking on Dartmoor to depend on him? No. Let's look at the way in which Elijah steps out of his comfort zone. That is what God is calling us to. Before God asks Elijah to step out of his comfort zone, he prepares him. That's what the brook was. It was a season of preparation. He, God was preparing Elijah to take on those prophets of Baal. Just as God was preparing Elijah by the brook, I believe that God is preparing us in this season as individuals, corporately as a church and globally as the church to step out of our comfort zone and bring a nation back to him. For too long, we've been silent and scared when we should have been speaking up. Isn't it interesting that in this season of pausing, this season of preparation, God has brought stuff to the surface that he wants to deal with globally. Things like ingrained racism, we need to tell a broken world that Jesus is the answer. Elijah's boldness saved a nation. So can ours. Worse than this, I feel God is saying that just as Israel became like the culture around it, worshipping Baal and building altars to him, so too have we become like our culture. Comfortable. It's so comfortable around here, isn't it? Does your life really look any different to that of your friends? Do your neighbours know how much you love Jesus? I believe God is using this time to awaken us, to prepare us. I believe he is asking us to step out of our comfort zone and just like Elijah, speak out against the Ahabs of our day. So where do we start? Let me encourage you to start with prayer. Prayer changes our focus from us to God and ultimately to the nations because God is passionate about the nations. He's passionate about people. Pete Gregg, the founder of 24-7 Prayer, in his book How to Pray, which was written only last year, says this. Throughout history, whenever God was about to do a new thing, he first mobilised his people to pray. And he is currently doing that on an unprecedented scale. What happens next is anyone's guess, but this is undoubtedly an exciting and important time to be learning to pray, seeking to draw closer to the Father, listening to him more carefully, obeying him diligently and beginning to move in greater spiritual authority. Whenever God has moved in a nation bringing revival, it's usually been birthed in prayer. God promises us in 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Wouldn't you love to see that happen in our day? I believe God is asking us to get on our knees and cry out for our nation. 
Are you prepared to pray big prayers? Are you prepared to step out of your comfort zone? Are you prepared to speak up for Jesus with boldness in your day? Oh, let's be a people like Elijah, friends, full of hope in the God who hears. Earlier, I chatted to Hannah Glanville. She and her husband attend our central site with their three children. And she is a woman who has listened carefully to God, often stepping way out of her comfort zone and knowing God walking closely with her in that. Let's hear some of her story. Hannah, thank you so much for being willing to come and share some of your story with us. Can you just tell me about a time in your life when you uh, knew God walking really closely with you? I think... um many times but i think the highlight for me will have to be my journey from uh, india to england i had never been abroad before and uh, taking that flight uh, on my own i literally felt that uh, god was holding my hands in that airport and we walked out together and it's been such an adventure since then you know, uh, it was one of the di- most difficult decisions I've taken to come abroad. And I was full with fear and uncertainty about my future. And uh, to may- help me make my decision back at home, I was given a Bible verse uh, from uh, Psalm 42, verse 7, which says, Deep calls unto deep. And um, that was backed up by the story of Peter walking on water um, uh, towards Jesus from Matthew 14. And to me, those words were not just nice words. That was real. And um, I was like, if if he did it for Peter, he will do it for me. And if Jesus is walking with me, I can do anything. So I was ready to launch out into the deep with him. Uh, And uh, I basically, in my head, was like, you know, here here you go, Jesus. You take my fear and I'm going to replace it with faith, faith in these words. And my uncertainty, literally giving it to him, holding his hand and taking that flight to uh, England. And I'm so glad I did because, you know, now looking back, every um, crossroads that I've been and now we have been as a family, I found him standing there, uh, walking with us and directing our steps. Wow, that is so good, Hannah. So like walking with God helped you to do this amazingly scary but really brave thing of just stepping into the unknown really when you got on that flight you had no idea about England did you and you were so young as well weren't you um wow I mean that is just a really a really amazing testimony of God's grace on your life can you tell me about a time when you saw God's plans really come to fruition as you stepped out of your comfort zone like you did when you came to England sure um I think to to come out of my comfort zone I would again, go back to, you know, just uh, leaving home back in India and coming here. And his plans coming to uh, fruition would be, uh, now looking back, uh, the highlights would be two particular seasons I can think about. Uh, You know, one of them being uh, a student when I was so vulnerable, lonely, uh, uncertain about my future, you know, all of those uh, confusion, you know, all these things were going through me. And uh, uh, one of my uh, friends, my roommate, she decided to give her life to Jesus. uh, And uh, she got baptized. And she said the reason she was doing that is because she saw me confused. She saw me crying. She saw me believing and she saw me holding Jesus's hands for my next steps. And that really inspired her to have her own real relationship before we moved on. 
uh, for herself with, uh, you know, God. So that was uh, God's plans coming to fruition because of, I, I felt it was a season of my discomfort, but he brought life out of it. If coming out of my comfort zone uh, was, this was a result, then it was so worth it. And I'm so happy I did it because now I can see that God's plans are so much more bigger than my plan. Amen. Yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. good, Hannah. That is really good. It's so faith building and encouraging. A real example of stepping out and just trusting God. Yeah. Like, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, can you tell me about a time in your life when you really heard God speaking to you clearly? Okay, gosh. Uh, many times in different ways. Uh, but I think I will go back to this one particular time because listening to him in this uh, season was absolutely pivotal to my life. Uh, and it was the season when I had settled down in UK as a student and um, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, life was, uh, uh, f I felt uh, my head was full of doubts, you know, why did I come here so far away from home? And, you know, just like I explained before, the intensity of homesickness. And then to top it all off, at the end of that year, I got a massive financial uh, decision that I had to make, something that I was not aware of. Um, and there I was going to university one morning, completely buried in this worry uh, about this issue. And I heard this uh, voice within me uh, saying, uh, don't call me father if uh, you think I can't provide for you. Wow. And I immediately knew it was God. And like I had learned in the past, I held on to those words. And later on that day when I was meditating, I got a Matthew chapter 6 verse uh, 26, which says, look at the birds. You know, they don't plant, they don't harvest, they don't uh, store in barns, but your heavenly father feeds them. How much more valuable are you to him than they are? Yeah, so, good. Yeah, so I uh, just completely knew it was God. I held on to it and I continued, moved forward into my second year of education. And at the end of that year, God had shown me his father heart. He had provided for my needs. And and far more than I had expected. I got a great part-time job with an architecture firm, which I would have not even pushed in my wish list because it was so hard to achieve. Um, so he had given me far beyond my expectation. And I'm so glad I listened to his voice that day and I obeyed it and I stayed on for my second year. Wow, that is great. That is really great. So listening to God in that situation really helped you mm. in through those hard times. And obeying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had, yeah. A, I had a point where I could just kind of be afraid and just kind of quit and move back, you know, but I chose to kind of keep going, keep launching yeah. into the deep. Yeah. Yeah. And like you say, he's such a good father, isn't he? Always doing more than we could ever ask or imagine. That's Hannah, true. I have loved hearing some of your story. Thank you so much for coming and sharing that with us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Hannah. That was so helpful. A real example of how walking, talking and listening to God brings real hope and makes all the difference. Let's look at how listening to God made all the difference for Elijah. Pete Gregg also says this, prayer is a living conversation with a loving God, which means we must listen as well as talk. Shortly after Elijah's victory, the very same day, in fact, he gets himself in a bit of a pickle. Jezebel declares that she will have him killed because he killed all her prophets of Baal. Elijah loses his nerve and runs away to the desert. This is what happens in 1 Kings 
He came to a broom tree, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under a tree and fell asleep. I love this bit. It's so relatable, isn't it? It's like every overtired toddler, every hormonal teenager, every harassed mother. I've had enough. Let me die. Oh, wait, I'm just a bit tired. I'll have a sleep. Remember, he was a man just like us. Actually, Elijah reveals a lot about himself in this short verse. He reveals his arrogance in ever thinking that he was better than his ancestors. He reveals he's been relying on his own strength and he reveals he's tired and scared. Recognize any of that in your own life? What's God's prescription for this? Well, it's so interesting. God doesn't dismiss Elijah. He doesn't tell him to get over it or grow up. God listens to him with compassion and then sends an angel to give him food and to help him to sleep. And then he prescribes listening to the Almighty. Listening to God is what we need more than anything in our moments of crisis. Hannah was talking about this, wasn't she? She listened to God when she had this financial crisis at uni and it made all the difference. Elijah needed to listen to God in order to retune into God's voice, into God's purpose for him and to remember who was actually holding everything together. Maybe in the last few months, very understandably, you found yourself in a place of crisis. God wants to minister to your needs too. He wants to talk to you. He wants to help you. He loves you. Let's see how God spoke to Elijah. First, he gets Elijah to walk to another mountain, Horeb. And then he says this to him in 1 Kings 19.11. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? In other words, why aren't you getting on with what I've asked you to do? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. Then the Lord, to summarise, basically says to Elijah, you're trying to do this in your own strength. You're not actually the only one left. I have 7,000 in Israel who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Go back, anoint these certain couple of men to be kings and lead the people. Anoint Elisha to eventually succeed you and get on with what I'm asking you to do. And Elijah, who was ever so obedient, does. God had taken Elijah back to basics. He had given him a fresh encounter with the living God. In many ways, we've been taken back to basics in lockdown. We all need a fresh encounter with the living God. Listening to God changes our perspective in our moments of crisis. About a month ago, Ange Dinney preached a really good sermon on the practical aspects of how to do this. You can check it out on our YouTube channel if you haven't already. Listening to God changed Elijah's perspective. He climbs down from that mountain and gets on with what God has called him to. Afterwards, nothing is the same for Elijah. His ministry changes and the spiritual landscape of a nation changes too. It was a new normal. God is calling his church to a new normal too, a bolder, more authentic normal.
We've made it to the end, friends. We've seen that Elijah was a man who walked with God, who talked with God and who listened to God. We've seen that Elijah was a man just like us. God heard Elijah. God hears us. Who are you walking with? That changes everything. Who are you talking to? That changes your focus. Who are you listening to? That changes your perspective. God longs to walk with you. He longs for you to know him intimately as Elijah did, as we all can now. Elijah cried out to God that it wouldn't rain and it didn't. He cried out to God for fire from heaven and it came. He cried out to God for a nation to be saved and it was. Let's do the same. God is still in the business of sending fire, his Holy Spirit. He's still in the business of saving nations. As we step out of our comfort zone, as we cry out to God for our nation, as we are willing to look stupid for the God we love, he can do the same in our day. Wouldn't you love to see that? Will you get on your knees? Will you pray? Will you cry out to God? Let's be a people like Elijah who walk with God, who talk with God and who listen to God so that a nation can be won back. him. Just before I finish, as great as Elijah was, he was but a faint whisper of a greater rescuer to come, Jesus, God's son, who instead of placing a bull upon an altar, placed himself upon it, and who instead of saving a nation, saved all of us, you and me. Maybe you're watching this and you aren't yet walking with Jesus, but over lockdown, you found yourself looking for something more. Maybe you felt like God is knocking at the door of your heart. May I encourage you to pursue that. Isaiah 55 verse 6 says, seek him whilst he may be found. Knowing Jesus and walking with him is the best thing that has ever happened to me. Don't let this moment go. Ask God today to walk with you. Tell him you're sorry for the sin in your life, knowing that he is the only one who can really deal with it. If you have any questions at all about becoming a Christian, you can always email us at care at hopewinchester.org. I'm just going to pray to end. God, thank you that you are the God who hears the God who walks with us, who talks with us, who listens to us. Our hope is in you, God. But God, we want to see the nations know that hope. We want to see the nations know the joy of walking with you, of the freedom that you bring, of the life that you bring to us. God, will you help us to be bold and fearless in our day? We want to be people who step out of our comfort zone for you. We want to see the nations know you because you're so good, God. God, will you give us boldness? Will you help us to be a people of prayer in this season of preparation? Amen. Thank you so much for joining with us today. We hope you have a really great week ahead.